You are listening to Blue Lives Radio, the voice of American law enforcement, with your host, Randy Sutton. Welcome to another episode of Blue Lives Radio, the voice of American law enforcement on the America Out Loud Network. I'm your host, Randy Sutton. Thanks for joining me again this week. We have a great show for you. So let's not waste any time whatsoever, but let's take a walk into the briefing room where I'm going to give you my view from the blue. The education system in America seems to be imposing its will and its opinions on the children who are in their care, as well as making political statements that are uh, anti-law enforcement uh, from, uh, from LA to New York. Washington Education Association recently came out with a letter signed by Larry Delaney, the Washington Education Association president, and Janie White, the vice president. I'm going to read a portion of that letter. This went out on their website. It was dated November 2nd, 2020. We are once again called to action as yet another black person, Kevin Peterson Jr., was murdered by, by Clark County Sheriff's deputies late last week. Kevin was known to many in the family as he was a recent graduate of Union High School in Vancouver, where he was a football player. He was the father of an infant and on the phone with his girlfriend when he was killed. We grieve with his family, our WEA family who knew Kevin, our black, indigenous, and color bicolored colleagues, BIPOC, I don't know what that is, friends and families, and with the community at large, the violence against people by police must stop. And it goes on. It goes on and on. Now, this letter that went out uh, publicly created a, uh, a very disquieting situation for the families of the law enforcement officers whose children are in that education system. There has been a, um, a marked anti-law enforcement stance taken by this union. And we're going to talk about this, the fact that they, they claim that this Kevin Peterson was murdered. We're going to talk about exactly what took place uh, after I read you a letter that was sent um, anonymously, and the reason it was anonymous because it was a police officer, and they're afraid of um, of uh, repercussions. They're afraid of not only on-the-job repercussions, but repercussions against the family and, and against the children. Um, this is a this is a, a, a very sad situation. And he wrote he wrote a um, a letter. And we at the Law Enforcement News Network published this. I want to read it to you because I believe that this, this um, is an issue that, that faces not just the parents, uh, law enforcement parents who have children in public schools, but all Americans. I'm going to read it to you verbatim. This is by an anonymous cop. A couple of weeks ago, the Washington Education Association, the largest union, representing educators in Washington State, 
unanimously approved the, quote, Black Lives Matter resolution, unquote. This resolution effectively ignores the fact that there are thousands of students with family members in law enforcement in the state. It creates a hostile learning environment for those students and effectively shouts to them that they don't matter. Through this re resolution, the WEA announced their support for and belief in Black Lives Matter, a political anti-police organization responsible for months of civil unrest, violence, and destruction. The WEA has pledged to display the Black Lives Matter banner prominently on the flagpole outside of their headquarters in Federal Way, Washington, as a visible affirmation of their stance. The resolution also states the WEA will push, quote, statewide participation in the Black Lives Matter at School Week, unquote, in February of 2021, in which teachers are encouraged to use materials provided by Black Lives Matter at school in order to indoctrinate children into the movement that has brought violence to their communities. These materials are readily available for educators on a website that prominently displays a quote from Asada Shakur, a convicted and escaped cop killer who was once one of the FBI's most wanted terrorists who is now still at large living in Cuba. The president of the Washington Education Association, Larry Delaney, and the union's vice president, Janie White, recently sent out a letter via email to WEA members with a simple subject line, Kevin E. Peterson, Jr. The letter was regarding the police shooting of Peterson <clears throat> near Vancouver, Washington, several days prior. In their letter, Delaney and White claimed Peterson, who was black, was, quote, murdered, unquote, by sheriff's deputies because of his race. They tout him as a recent graduate of a lo local high school, a football player, and a father. What they failed to mention is Peterson was the subject of a narcotics investigation who ultimately fled from deputies and pointed a loaded handgun at them after he failed to get away. The resolution passed by the WEA and the attitudes of the elected union leadership sends a clear message to students from law enforcement families. You are not important. Teachers, administrators, and school staff are supposed to be trusted by all students. Classrooms, whether in the school or online, are supposed to be a safe environment for all students. They should be places where students are focused on learning, not distracted by the politics of the educators. Educators union like the WEA should support this idea. You can sense the frustration in that letter. You can sense the fact that this officer who has students in the classroom, in that educational system, has, uh, has true concerns about what their children are being um, being indoctrinated to think about the anti-law enforcement sentiment. And the fact that the, uh, the fact that these, the, these uh, educators, as they call themselves, are willing to play politics in the classroom 
should be of concern to all Americans. Now, the officer went on in his letter. I'm going to read the rest of it now. As a child of a police officer in the Pacific Northwest, my teenage son notices when his teachers infuse political beliefs into their lessons. He notices their Black Lives Matter posters and other political messaging pinned on the classroom walls and in their Zoom backgrounds. Although I have been face to face with BLM and Antifa terrorists for months on end, I explained to him that those messages likely come from a place of ignorance and that those teachers are probably unaware of the dangerous and destructive nature of the group they blindly support in the interest of proving they are, quote, woke, unquote. He still wonders if they would be biased against him if they knew he was part of a law enforcement family. I do, too. He clearly feels he is an environment where he has to hide his beliefs and his opinions, and he has to hide who he is. He tells me other classmates with law enforcement parents feel the same way. How can this be an inclusive and safe environment for students? The Washington Education Association has made this clear. They will continue to support teachers pushing this toxic political agenda. They don't care about you if your parent is a cop. <clears throat> Imagine being the parent that wrote that letter, the sense of frustration, and the inability to have any say in what your own child is A, being taught, and B, facing in a, in a wanton, political, toxic environment. Now, in the interest of fairness, I reached out to those two people who's, who signed this letter, uh, Larry Delaney and Janie White. I invited them to share their opinions on this program. Uh, they're not here. They uh, didn't even respond to my invitation, which is not surprising. Um, this letter that they continued on, um, I'm going to read the rest of it because it's I, I find it so disturbing. Um, as union members, we have a strong voice. We must use our voice to advocate for an end to police brutality and for justice for our black community members. Black Lives Matter. And they, those words ring hollow if we're not taking action to end injustice. As educators, we are on the front lines of fighting for racial justice, whether that's how to explain race with our students, how we stand up for police department and policies that address racism, or whether we, are, we stand for targeting funding to BIPOC students I don't even know what that is, who need it most. <clears throat> As we face a full week of uncertainty and divisions, we come together to mourn Kevin Peterson for him and the hundreds like him who have died unjustly because of their race. Vote, speak up, keep doing the work to unravel our racist systems. This type of injustice can only change if we are willing to center our work on ending injustices like this one. We cannot rest until we live free without fear of being killed by those we're sworn to protect and serve. 
Now, you want to know how Kevin Peterson died? Let's talk about the investigators released footage and new details in the Kevin Peterson shooting. This is by a uh, uh, a news report that uh, that came out by Troy uh, Bryanson. Investigators released footage. I'm going to read this article to you. Deputies fired 34 shots, <clears throat> four of which struck. Investigators said they wanted to interview the officers sooner. Clark County Sheriff's Office deputies fired 34 shots at Kevin Peterson Jr. with four striking and killing. The 21-year-old investigator said in a press release Wednesday. The details come as investigators say their work is nearly complete. It will be forwarded to the Clark County prosecutor, Troy, excuse me, Tony Gallick, for criminal review. Gallick plans to outsource the review to the prosecutor in Pierce County. Wednesday's updated uh, um, story included photos, security camera footage, and dispatch radio traffic of the fatal encounter October 29th at the parking lot of a sh shuttered bank outside of Vancouver, which stemmed from an attempted drug bust at a nearby hotel. A regional drug task force attempted to arrest Peterson for selling Xanax. Law enforcement agencies in southwest Washington, including Vancouver Police and the Clark County Sheriff's Office, do not use body-worn cameras or dashboard cameras. The video that they have includes photos reportedly showing Peterson holding Xanax pills in his car. Another picture, a selfie, suggested violence towards law enforcement investigators said. Aerial footage showed Peterson parked in the west parking lot of the hotel. A search warrant first reported by the uh, OPB stated the task force had been tipped off by a criminal informant and had been building a case to arrest Peterson for attempting to distribute a controlled substance. Once in the parking lot, the task force moved in. It is unclear if there was an attempted sale on the scene. Investigators said the task force used unmarked vehicles with emergency lights activated to block Peterson's dark blue Mercedes-Benz. Peterson fled northeast and, and then ran along the perimeter of the hotel. Quote, he has something in his hands. Be careful. It might be a gun. Unquote. One law enforcement agent can be heard saying on the radio network. Task force detectives ordered Peterson to stop. Officers told investigators they saw Peterson drop the Glock 40 caliber handgun, then pick it up, back up, and continue to run. He headed southwest. Detectives stopped following and requested backup. Ultimately, Peterson arrived at a former U.S. bank parking lot along Highway 99 in Hazel Dell, where he contacted more police. A deputy standing about 10 yards away, according to do investigators, told him <clears throat> to drop his gun. Peterson turned and ran north, investigators said. In the release, they stated witnesses reported hearing the deputy's commands. Witness statements have not yet been made public. Investigators cite the interviews with deputies for what transpires next. Peterson ran and allegedly pointed a gun at them. All three deputies believe that Peterson Jr. posed a lethal threat to either themselves or other responding officers. Gunfire erupted shortly after that. The deputies told investigators Peterson had aimed his firearm at them while multiple gunshots were going off around them. They believe Peterson had fired or had already shot at them. Video footage shows Peterson lurch forward as he is running. He falls to the ground. Troy Brightbill, chief criminal deputy for Callis County Sheriff's, who is leading the investigation, told OPB they weren't able to determine 
if Peterson was shot as he ran. Shots were fired while Peterson was running. Then again, after he fell, sat up and reportedly pointed the gun at the officers again. Security camera footage shows Peterson sitting up, extending his arm with an object in his hands. Investigators said he reportedly pointed his handgun at the deputies. A second volley of gunshots, gunshots followed. Law enforcement has not released the autopsy uh, showing where the bullets struck him. And yet, facts don't seem to make a difference to the Washington Education Educators Union. Uh, instead, instead of uh, actually talking about facts and talking about the responsibility of an individual when confronted with police after committing a felony crime, instead, they choose to um, make baseless allegations referring to this as a murder. The damage that this does to not only law enforcement, but the students that, that are forced to endure um, this political hate that uh, is being uh, manifested uh, throughout the, the, the education system is simply um, something that, uh, that all parents and the community at large should be seriously concerned about. How do you, how do you teach a child in, in, an, in an environment like this what's right and what's wrong? How do you how do you focus on on truth and reality and about how law enforcement officers are expected to um, to respond when faced with a deadly threat? This could have been a teachable moment. This could have been a time when uh, the education association chose to talk about the truth. Talk about responsibilities as a as a as a as a citizen. Talk about how to respond to law enforcement uh, when when confronted with uh, an arrest situation. But no. Instead, they showed their bias. They showed their political agendas, and they let their students down. Not only did they let their students down, they let everyone down. And this continues. Day after day, uh, in the in in um, education systems across the country, um, what is happening in Washington is one stark example. And I, for one, hope that the officers who were involved in this, who were being uh, dragged through the mud and referred to as murderers by a uh, a, a politically motivated union i hope that they that they file a civil lawsuit against the this uh, this union and against those two people individually as well for their their uh, their spurious uh, and unjust um, name calling you know when a police officer is forced to use deadly force it's a life changing moment no matter how justified you are, when you are involved in that encounter, it, it, is, a, it is a time that literally um, you're not quite the same ever again. And 
when you're forced to make that decision and then you are accused of murder by a, 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 a group that, that is so strong politically, can you imagine, put yourself in the shoes of those officers and imagine what they are going through. And now knowing that their, their future is hanging the balance of a, um, of a system where truth doesn't matter anymore. Not only are, are they going to face a criminal justice uh, inquiry um, in which we have now seen a number of activist district attorneys and prosecutors um, pick up the role of activists over their sworn duty as a district attorney or, or, or prosecutor and, and take up that, that anti-law enforcement agenda. So not only have you now made a life-changing decision and taken the life of another human being, but you're being accused of murder by, by a, a, a group of people who are educating your children and then facing a sometimes hostile criminal justice system that you are part of. This is what's happening across America. And in uh, Vancouver, Washington, um, I think those officers deserve our support and deserve uh, to be treated fairly and with dignity. And that's my feeling about the state of policing here in America. During this portion of our program, we take a walk into what I call the briefing room. Briefing room is where we talk about news of the day uh, concerning law enforcement, but from the law enforcement perspective. And um, as usual, there is no shortage of topics to talk about this week. Let's talk about Seattle. Seattle has seen um, an incredible spate of violence and unrest over a period of months now. I've seen some of the worst rioting um, in, uh, in, in, in city history after the shooting of, excuse me, after the killing of George Floyd. And the uh, subsequent violence was tacitly approved of by the mayor and city council who allowed, uh, who allowed not only the violence to continue uh, ordering the police to stand down, but also to allow, quite literally, blocks of its city to be taken over by Antifa and, and, and other groups, uh, which are, in essence, anarchist groups. Um, not only that, but they allowed a city precinct, a city police precinct, to be overrun and destroyed uh, by a uh, by this group of of uh, uh, civil terrorists. That's all. You know, I find it I find it incongruous that a group of individuals in a mob that is organized um, destroys millions of dollars worth of property, millions of dollars worth of property, sets fires. Uh, sets sets businesses on fire, destroys um, family-owned businesses that have been there for years, 
um, uh, takes over a, 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 a slew of city blocks and then extorts the shop owners for protection money. And the city leadership not only allows it, but approves of it. And then when the violence gets so bad that a child is murdered, then they finally agree to do something and allow the police to be the police. It's, it's, it's stunning to see what passes for leadership in the city of Seattle. Now, in, in, as all this has taken place over a period of months and months and months, the city of Seattle has seen a, um, a slew of law enforcement officers, police officers belonging to the police department, uh, just leave. Um, those who are able to retire are retiring. Those who are not able to retire, um, hundreds are leaving. And they're going to other poli police departments or they're just quitting policing entirely because of the environment that is being, um, that, that is, uh, being created by the political leadership. The city council and the mayor are living on some real weird alternative universe where uh, there is an acceptance of violence and there's an acceptance of mob rule not protecting the people who are paying the taxes, but protecting the criminal and, and celebrating them. It is absolutely bizarre. Well, now the city council, many in the city council voted to defund the, the Seattle Police Department. Defunded. Well, the mayor, who is, um, I mean, if she's not, she's right up there in, in worst mayors in America, in my opinion. Uh, you know, much like Ted Wheeler and, and some of the others who have, who have basically uh, ordered the police to stand down and just allow rioters to riot and burn and loot and do everything else. Well, she um, wanted to, she's now come out and, and praised the city council for only taking 19% of the police budget away. We're going to congratulate the city council for, for not defunding it 50%, but only 19%. This is what they're celebrating. They're celebrating this, this great feat here. Well, meanwhile, the police are so un, un, undermanned now um, in fact, they, they have less cops now there than in 1990. Meanwhile, the population since that time has gone up 44%. So there's a ton more people that live there. There's a ton less cops that are policing. And in fact, there are times when they cannot even answer more than one emergency call at a time. So who's the loser here? Who's losing? Who is the loser? Whose public, whose safety is in jeopardy? The very same people who voted for this city council, the very same people who voted for this mayor. It is their lives who these politicians are playing with in the name of what? Social justice? Because the police are to blame? 
it is it is astounding, astounding that that allegedly intelligent, educated people who have been voted in to protect their citizens would so um, would so weigh what their responsibilities are and then abdicate them, all in the name of politics and all in the name of social justice. Why aren't they caring about their people? Why aren't they caring about the safety of their of their constituents? I'm not even talking about treating the police like animals, like like uh, uh, second class citizens. I'm not even talking about that. That's that's a whole nother topic. But they're going to find out very soon that um, that they cannot be protected. And then you know what's going to happen. You know who they're going to blame? The police. Mark my words. So once again, Seattle in the news, and not in a good way. Now, we've seen the the racist agendas. This is the the agendas of 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 the new social activist norm, from everything from mayors and governors. And and who knows what in the in the new presidential cabinet, but in the um, in the industry that has such a profound influence on children and and uh, even adults in our nation, and that is the entertainment industry. So Netflix has a new show coming out. Netflix new show about police violence is inspired by. Ahmad Arbery, the man who was murdered down in uh, in uh, Georgia, I believe it was. Um, so here it is. Netflix is about to release an animated film called Cops and Robbers about racial profiling by police based on the killing of 25-year-old Ahmad Arbery. There's only one problem here. Ahmad Arbery wasn't shot by the police. <laughs> this is, you know what this reminds me of? Uh, the killing of Trayvon Martin. When, when Trayvon Martin attacked um, a citizen, a citizen's watch individual, and was beating his head against the pavement and the, and, and the victim of that shot and killed him. Somehow, that got lumped into the um, anti-law enforcement rhetoric and what has actually become uh, a, the, the anti-police, uh, um, not only agenda, but industry, because it has become an industry. The racist industry is, is alive and well. Um, so now here we have Netflix, who has an incredible influence. And now they're, they're calling their show Cops and Robbers, about a, a case where a guy was killed and it had nothing to do with the police. What's going on here? What is happening when we're seeing um, a, the perversion of information being given to our kids that will have a, a profound negative effect on the relationship between the people and the police? And it's all based on a false narrative. It's all based on lies. And then you you read you read the the comments and you read the 
the um, um, the social agendas here. Um, here's here's a Netflix animation and activism unite in this multimedia spoken word performance that brings awareness to racial profiling, police violence, and other injustices. That's how they're describing this production. You know, when I when I read about this and I see this, I, I get this I get this terrible sense of, of frustration um, because none of this is based on fact. This is based on speculation. It's based on opinions. It's based on agendas that are being perpetuated by people that have some very significant financial gain um, from sowing these seeds of distrust. There truly is an industry based around, uh, uh, around creating law enforcement um, distrust between the police and the community. And it is, it's, it is very, very damaging to our society as a whole. Not to mention, think of, think of, think of your children who are being exposed to these lies, but they're being exposed to storytelling in a way that creates the idea that the police are the racists, that the police are the problem, that it isn't crime, it isn't criminals, it's not, it's not, it's not those who are preying on others that are causing uh, all of all of the, the the killings that are taking place in this country, all the violent crime, the robberies, the sexual assaults. Instead of of focusing on those who are actually responsible, the criminal element, they're only they're only telling a a very small slice of the truth and the reality. Is policing a violent job? Sometimes it sure as hell is. Are police sometimes um, committing acts that to the public are offensive? Absolutely. But then again, if you look at any, any type of use of force by police, it looks offensive. There is no way in the world that someone who is resisting arrest and that videotape, that encounter is videotaped, there's no way that's going to look good for the cops because police have to react with violence against violence. And I think that, 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 that networks like Netflix who are jumping on this background, I wonder how much money is going to be made by this. Spreading lies and innuendo and, and a false narrative that also that also damages um, the the trust between children and the police. You know, this has far-reaching effects, and and I, I just wonder: are there is there a conscience anywhere in those decision-making processes in uh, in in the entertainment industry, or is that something that no longer? is even is even thought about makes you wonder um 
San Francisco District Attorney charges now former police officer for killing a carjacker three years ago. Three years ago, this officer, a four-day cop, been on the job four days, was in a pursuit. Um, subject uh, ran up behind him and um, after the pursuit, he thought that he was being attacked and opened fire and, and shot this carjacker. Well, it turned out that the carjacker was just trying to get away. This four this four day officer simply didn't have the experience um, or the training to um, react in the way that that, that he should have, and um, and that was taken into account. Uh, there was a civil lawsuit, but now the new district attorney. Uh, by the way, his name is Chessa Bowden. If that name Bowden rings bells, because both his parents were murderers. Yeah, you heard me right. Murderers um, uh, served many, many years in prison for killing multiple killings, and he's the guy that gets elected as a district attorney in San Francisco. Well, of course, it's San Francisco, the land of—I don't even know what it's the land of anymore. Um, he gets elected on an anti-law enforcement platform. Well, now he's coming out. He's in a position of power. And it's like cold case. I found a cold case and I'm going to go prosecute the police. You can't, I mean, you can almost see the joy in his, in his face. And, and while he's giving a press interview about how his, for here's, here's what he says. Far too long. We have seen the failures of our legal system to hold police accountable for the violence committed against the members of the public they are entrusted to keep safe. In San Francisco, there's been a long history of officer-involved shootings, leading to no accountability whatsoever, further cementing the idea the police are above the law. That stops today. So the agenda is clear. Prosecute the police. I call persecution by prosecution. Unfortunately, this is like uh, the new, uh, this is like, this is in vogue now with activist prosecutors. They must have a, like a special club, guys like Bowden and, uh, and, and uh, the district attorneys in um, Portland and in Seattle and in other places that simply have abandoned the idea that the criminal justice system should hold criminals accountable. That's no longer part of their reality. Their reality is very, very one-sided. Don't hold the criminals accountable for anything. Hold the police accountable for everything. That's the new, <clears throat> that's the new norm with people like Bowden. And now, He's in a position to actually prosecute. God knows how far he's going to go back. Is he going to like open up a cold case file uh, and, and look at every police shooting and then selectively prosecute cops for it? Because he's got the budget to do it. That's what, when you have, when you have all the money, you have all the power. Um, you can use that influence. And this, this poor kid who reacted out of out of a sense of fear and and a lack of of proper 
uh, training and uh, and experience <clears throat> is now going to face charges up to murder. Talk about the criminal injustice system. That's what we're seeing now in cities like San Francisco. You know, um, one more story I want to talk about, and um, I'm going to uh, I'm going to do a little more in depth on this because. Uh, we're seeing so much injustice against police. <clears throat> the now this has been going on for a while. This is out of, this is a story out of Milwaukee, and Miss Wisconsin has become a, a crazy, insane spot for law enforcement as well. This is out of Milwaukee. The city admits that the ex-Milwaukee Police Department chief was denied due process when demoted. For handling of riots. Okay, so this has been going on for months now. Um, attorneys for the city of Milwaukee admitted last week that former Milwaukee Police Chief Alfonso Morales didn't get due process before he was demoted in August over his controversial handling of riots. Now, what's the controversial handling of riots? He actually did what the police are supposed to do. He moved to stop them. He moved to arrest the people. He used the tools at their disposal, like tear gas. And as a result, he, the chief, was demoted summarily. And talk about talk about a failure of of, of leadership. <clears throat> the the mayor, um, you, you know, the mayor and the city council basically just said, "We don't care what." His rights, we don't care about them. The law, we don't care about that either. We're just going to use our political influence to strip away any of this dedicated police chief who has done nothing but good for his community for years, served honorably. We're just going to rip everything out from under him and summarily demote him, which in turn actually turned out to be a firing and um, and we're, we don't expect to be held accountable. Well, guess what? They're going to be held accountable. Lawsuit filed by the former chief, alleged breach of contract, denial of due process, loss of reputation in the community, and future career opportunities. And um, they're, they're, uh, they're going to be holding um, the leaky bag, so to speak. But they don't care. And this is what... This is the arrogance that they display. They're not playing with their money. They're playing with the taxpayer's money. They're ripping and tearing through the rights of others. And, and the irony here is they're, the, the, um, the irony is here that they're doing so in the name of social justice and the rights of others. The hypocritical uh, the hypocr critical notion here um, of their of, of their actions is absolutely unbelievable. Here they are talking about the rights of others. And yet they are and you know that you know that the city council or the city council was advised by the city attorney before they made this ridiculous decision to 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 summarily dismiss this police chief. You know he told them what the realities are. You can't just take away a guy's rights. 
if it's inconvenient for you, oh, well, too bad. That's what those laws exist for. But you see, they only want to, they only want to, they only want others to be held accountable, never themselves. All you hear from politicians is, we got to hold the police accountable. Yeah, they, there's the police accountability. Where's their accountability? Where is the, where's the punishment? Where is the, where is the, the public in, in viewing this and going, yeah, that's okay to do. Yeah, yeah. How, where, where is the accountability there? It doesn't exist. Well, I hope that the chief not only gets his job back, which I am sure he's going to, but, um, but he, uh, that he gets a big chunk of money. I wish he could sue them personally. I really do. But you know what? They, uh, <clears throat> they have uh, immunity, of course, for their actions, but they want to strip away the immunity from the cops for theirs. America's cities and claims of racism in the ranks of law enforcement have spirited a renewed debate on racial equality. It was Alexis de Tocqueville who reminded us, Americans are so enamored of equality, they would rather be equal in slavery than unequal in freedom. To which I say, be warned of the shiny object, America. AmericaOutloud.com is the voice of liberty and justice for all. Well, it's a fight for the soul of humanity. Hello, this is Lieutenant Randy Sutton, the host of Blue Lives Radio, the voice of American law enforcement. I am a 34-year police veteran. I am also the founder and CEO of an organization that stands behind injured and disabled law enforcement officers. It is called The Wounded Blue. Our website is thewoundedblue.org. We have produced a film. It is an important film. I urge you to watch it. The film details what happens when a police officer or law enforcement officer is shot or stabbed or beaten or disabled seriously injured in the line of duty. Most people think they are taken care of medically and financially. The reality may be quite different. It is called The Wounded Blue, Service, Sacrifice, Betrayed. The film is available on Amazon, iTunes, and the Microsoft Store. Think back to the last time you felt healthy and energized. The best times of our lives occur when we're at the peak of our health, sleeping better, full of energy and focus. We know that fades with age, and you might be feeling the effects of aging as low energy and poor sleep. But it doesn't have to be that way. There haven't been any nutrition systems designed to rejuvenate our bodies as we get older until now. Healthy Cell Pro is the only multinutrient system that impacts the building block of your body, the cell. Created by anti-aging expert and Nobel Prize nominee, Dr. Vincent Giampapa. Award-winning Healthy Cell Pro cuts through the complexity of nutrition supplements by simply giving you the purest ingredients, filling dietary gaps to nourish your cells and enhance your quality of life for optimal performance. Visit HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for an exclusive discount or call 844-869-9958. I know we were a little disappointed 
because we've had to push back the Brothers in Blue Bash for a few months because of the COVID insanity. Now, on October 17th, we are still going to have a virtual Brothers in Blue Bash, kind of like a tease, and we're going to uh, raise some money. We're going to have some tremendous auction items. So uh, uh, stay listening to uh, this and go to the Facebook page, Brothers in Blue Bash Las Vegas, and get the information there. Now, March 27th, that is a Saturday night here in Las Vegas. The Brothers in Blue Bash, which is going to be the largest celebration of law enforcement, unity, and pride to benefit the Wounded Blue. It's going to be right here in Las Vegas. Got some tremendous tremendous entertainment lined up for you there's going to be a, uh it's going to be a, an event to remember fantastic hotel room uh prices at the orleans just go to the brothers in blue bash uh, facebook page and you can uh, make your um, make your reservations there you can get a table you can get seats you can sponsor all kinds of things check it out facebook page brothers in blue bash las vegas I don't know about you, but if you love coffee, you're going to love Law Dog Coffee. Law Dog Coffee Company. Yes, indeedy. This is amazing coffee. It's been uh, in the family of uh, uh, brewers for 90 years, but this particular brand is is uh, created just for us. So if you love coffee, you're going to love Law Dog Coffee, especially because not only is it phenomenal coffee it's it's uh uh roasted in a, in a family-owned roasting company it's been around for 90 years and it is delicious but it also goes to help the uh the company law dog coffee company gives a percentage of its income to thewoundedblue.org in fact they sponsor the canine companion program for the wounded blue so go to lawdogcoffee.com it gets delivered directly to your house. It is phenomenal, and it tastes so good, it ought to be illegal. One of the most important things that you can do as either a law enforcement officer or someone who supports law enforcement is to help injured and disabled officers. How? By simply going to this website, www.thewoundedblue.org thewoundedblue.org. And why should you do that? Well, first of all, because I founded the organization. Do you need any more than that, really? So this organization provides tremendous assistance and support to officers who've been injured either physically or emotionally in the line of duty. Uh, We have a phenomenal um, documentary film. If you go to amazon.com, and look at uh, The Wounded Blue, Service, Sacrifice, Betrayed. Also on uh, YouTube, if you go to our YouTube channel, Wounded Blue TV, check out our series, The Voices of the Blue. You want to do everything you can to help these men and women who sacrificed so much for their communities. Go to www.thewoundedblue.org. End of Watch with Randy Sutton. Each week on The Voice of American Law Enforcement, we pay our respects to the men and women of the profession who have made the ultimate sacrifice and given their lives in the line of duty. Unfortunately, I have more names to read this week. 
The first is Correctional Officer Richard Allen Wright of the Missouri Department of Corrections. Correctional Officer Richard Wright died as a result of complications after contracting COVID-19 during an outbreak among employees and inmates at the Women's Eastern Reception Diagnostic and Correctional Center in Vandalia. Officer Wright has served with the Missouri Department of Corrections for 15 years. He had previously served with the Audrian County Sheriff's Office and had retired as a lieutenant from the Little Dixie Fire Protection District. He is survived by his wife and two children. Correction Officer William, excuse me, Richard Allen Wright, Missouri Department of Corrections. End of watch, Thursday, November 19th, 2020. The next is Detention Officer Dwight Willis of the Green County Sheriff's Office, also in Missouri. Detention Officer Dwight Willis died as a result of complications after contracting COVID-19 during an outbreak among employees and inmates of the Greene County Jail. Detention Officer Willis has served the Greene County Sheriff's Office for 19 years. He is survived by his wife. Detention Officer Dwight Willis, Greene County Sheriff's Office, Missouri. End of watch, Sunday, November 22, 2020. Correction Officer Glenn F. Martinez of the Guam Department of Corrections. Correction Officer Glenn Martinez died as a result of complications after contracting COVID-19 during an outbreak among employees and inmates at the Guam Adult Correctional Facility. Officer Martinez has served with the Guam Department of Corrections for 23 years. Correction Officer Glenn F. Martinez, Guam Department of Corrections, end of watch Monday, November 23, 2020. Captain Jeff Sewell, Oklahoma Highway Patrol. And uh, Captain Jeff Sewell died as a result of complications after he contracted COVID-19 while on duty. Captain Sewell served with the Oklahoma Highway Patrol for 32 years, was assigned to the Officer's Assistance Program. He is survived by his wife, two daughters, and five grandchildren. Captain Jeff Sewell, Oklahoma Highway Patrol, Oklahoma. End of watch Saturday, September 26, 2020. And Senior Police Officer Ernest Leal, Jr., Houston Police Department, Texas. Senior Police Officer Ernest Leal died as a result of complications after contracting COVID-19 while on duty. Officer Leal served with the Houston Police for 36 years and was assigned to the North Patrol Division. He is survived by his wife, four children, mother, and three siblings. Senior Police Officer Ernest Leal, Jr., Houston Police Department, Texas. End of watch. Friday, November 27, 2020. Each of these officers gave their lives in the line of duty, serving the people of their communities. May they rest in peace. Thanks for joining me this uh, episode of Blue Lives Radio, the voice of American law enforcement, here on the America Out Loud Network. I hope you enjoyed. As we do every week, we talk about the things that affect law enforcement officers around the country. One thing I would ask of you, is check out the website for thewoundedblue.org. This is the National Organization for Injured and Disabled Law Enforcement Officers. And if you love coffee, lawdogcoffee.com. Tastes so good, ought to be illegal. We'll see you again next episode. Thanks again. Randy Sutton, signing off. <laughs>